This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and the culture of fly fishing. It's episode 122, and we're talking about streamers today. Streamers, sick and tired of streamers, like dry flies, like nymphs. Just wait, hear me out. We're going to talk about streamers in a little bit of a different way than the majority of what's being spoken about them that's out there. Now, streamers undoubtedly catch fish. They're fun to fish. They are, in some ways, easy to fish. Now, of course, just like anything else, you can say a dry fly is easy to fish because you see the fish take it. But of course, anyone who has fly fished for any uh, period of time knows it's not as easy as that. It's the same thing with streamers. It's not just casting it out and pulling it back in. There's a lot more that comes to it. But at the same time, you can do that and be successful. You can do that and catch fish. So streamers are a lot of fun. They are a great way for folks to get into the sport. In in some ways, they are easier to fish than even a a dry fly on a piece of water that uh, is relatively easy to fish. Uh, Because you are in contact with that fly, you're able to detect strikes, and you're in the process of retrieving the fly already, so uh, your hook setting has has already at an advantage. But what we're going to talk about today is, again, moving away a little bit from what is being talked about primarily in traditional media, magazines and articles and social media, um, Instagram, and just kind of general fly fishing chatter on the internet these days. Because what gets talked about a lot, and again, I know people fish in other ways, but what gets talked about a lot is big streamers and heavy streamers. Okay, big streamers and heavy streamers. And why is this? Well, big streamers and heavy streamers catch big fish and heavy fish. It just makes sense. But the reality is, is that not everybody can or want to fish, you know, giant articulated one-out streamers for trout. Uh, and you can catch big and heavy fish on small streamers. And even going beyond that, you can, can make it even a more specific statement in that you don't need necessarily a heavy streamer to catch good fish. And 
you probably should have a lot of unweighted streamers in your box. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about fishing light streamers, unweighted or weightless streamers. Now, to be totally fair, you might pick up a streamer from your fly shop, look at it and say, well, there's no bead head, there's no cone head, so it's a weightless streamer. And there are a lot of streamers that don't have that added weight that still have weight in them because they have lead or non-lead wraps around the hook shank. But I would actually even include those kind of in this conversation, not to, to, to make the category broader, but I'm talking about flies that don't have a significant amount of weight added to them. And just as a little bit of a, a kind of a fly tying excursus, a lot of times all that weight really does, like say you have a woolly bugger with no bead head or cone head or anything like that on it, all, a lot of the times that those wraps, you know, half dozen wraps of, of non-lead wire around the hook shank, really all that's doing is compensating for the bulky, buoyant materials that are wrapped around the hook shank. So it's kind of equaling out what you're already fighting to get that fly down. So in my mind, that's that's why I, I, I'm totally fine with calling a fly that does have a little bit of weight on it kind of weightless or unweighted for a lack of better return because it really behaves and it fishes very, very differently than a beadhead fly would under the exact same proportions and situations. So anyway, that's that's my caveat. I, I know that a lot of streamers have weight in them even if you can't see the weight in them. So why would you fish a weightless streamer? Why would you fish something that is lighter, maybe even smaller? Well, there's a few different reasons. Firstly, is that you can fish shallow water. So I'm thinking a lot of small freestone streams and a lot of spring creeks where the fish that you are trying to catch with streamers, whether it be large fish or just average sized fish that have gotten to be pecivorous and they're, they're chasing after bait fish, you know, eight, 10 inch fish is going to go after uh, a smaller streamer. But if it's a shallower stream, you can be fishing a feeding lane that is next to an ambush spot or a better way to say that would be the ambush spot is where you're fishing and that fish that is going to be pursuing that fly is going to be in an undercut bank or behind a rock or something like that. So it's not sitting in that feeding lane. It's not sitting right where you're casting, but you're able to pull that fly through a spot that's maybe between two rocks or maybe just on the outside of a, a deeper pool. And sometimes those spots are the only places you can fish because the deeper pool or the undercut bank is impossible to get to because there's an, an overhang or something like that. So by casting a weightless fly or a very slightly weighted fly uh, adjacent to that spot, you're able to fish that shallower spot naturally. Uh, I'm sure you've had it before. If you cast a heavy fly into a really shallow spot, it sinks immediately and it drops down. And If there's not enough current, it's not going to be moving. Now, to be fair, this is actually a really good strategy. Uh, getting a fly with a lot of marabou in it or something like that, that has weight in it and casting it and basically treating it like a jig, uh, like you would use in traditional fly fishing, or excuse me, traditional fishing. These days, you know, jigs are traditional in, in fly fishing too, but like in traditional uh, spinning gear or bait casting gear, you flip a jig up to a spot and you let it sit and, and you let those rubber legs and that body, that pork chunk, you know, move in the, in the currents of the water. And that, as you're moving it in a little hops and things like that, that attracts fish. So again, that'll work too for fly fishing. But if you want a very natural 
presentation, you're going to have a weightless streamer and you're going to cast it above where you want to fish and you're going to allow that thing to swim down through that feeding lane. And then if it only goes down three or four inches and it's in a six to 12 inch run of water, then that is a very natural presentation for a fish that's swimming through that spot. So you don't need a lot of weight to do that. Of course, like I just said, there's situations and circumstances where throwing a very weighted streamer is going to produce fish, but you don't have to do that. In fact, you can get a fly that moves through that water very uh, delicately and very smoothly if you throw a weightless streamer in a spot like that. Um, so yeah, you only need to get down a few inches to be in the middle of the water column, kind of that that target area for, a, you know, if it's 12 inches of water, having that fly move through at six inches, that's totally fine. That's a great, a great way to go. And again, like I said, big fish will quickly move into shallow water to feed. I've seen that a million times when, and not even just big fish, but any fish that is being pecivorous, that's, that's being carnivorous in its approach, it's going to move from deep water, from underneath a, a, a rock or, or from an undercut bank, move into shallow water to feed because that's where it has its eyes, especially on a smaller water body it is focused on a, a cone in front of it that is much broader than uh, just what's directly in front of it in its line of sight. It can, it's, it's paying attention. If you've paid attention to um, books and articles and videos that show you what a trout sees, it's looking uh, virtually 360 degrees. I mean, certainly not right behind it, but off to its side, it can see, it can see perfectly fine because I mean, that's where where its eyes are. So having that fly move from in front of it down through shallow water adjacent to it is a great way to fish. And you don't need a lot of weight for that fly to move and naturally like a bait fish will. We'll talk about that here in a second. Kind of a similar situation after shallow water is slow water. Now, slow water can be frustrating because there's not enough current to get that fly down. But at the same time, if that water is so slow, a heavy fly, a big conehead streamer, is going to sink like a rock. And if you are fishing to fish that are kind of somewhere in the middle of that uh, water column, then you're going to be missing them completely. Furthermore, if the stretch that you're fishing, if you're wanting to fish, say, say you're facing upstream and you're wanting to fish kind of at 3 o'clock, well, you can't cast at 3 o'clock because, A, you're going to be dropping right on top of the fish, but, B, it's going to be splashing and potentially going to be spooking that fish, especially in slower water where you're not going to have that current to break up your fly and your line hitting the water. But you, if you were to cast you know, far upstream, basically at 12 o'clock and allow that thing to come straight down to, to parallel with you, um, it's going to hit the bottom well before it gets to that fish. So having a lighter fly allows you to cast further upstream and it's going to make its way down to the fish that you are fishing to. In slower water, it's good to have an assortment of weighted streamers so that depending on where the fish is in the water column, you know, up and down, and then where that fish is in relation to where your proper cast is going to be, that that fly is going to move both based on its natural weight as well as the flow of the stream to get to where that fish is. I mean, that's it's some you know advanced trigonometry that you kind of get to be intuitive with after you fish for a long enough amount of time where you know, I cannot throw a heavy fly here. It will go well underneath that fish. Now, you could 
obviously jig it and move it and twitch it with your line hand or your rod hand to keep that fly in front of that fish. But again, if you're looking for a delicate presentation, you're looking for a very natural presentation, I know that jigging is natural, but again, we'll talk about that here in a second. But if you want a more delicate and nuanced presentation, then using a lightweight or weightless streamer and casting it in that right spot is going to allow that thing to float and flow and swim right in front of that fish. So there are situations where weighted flies are going to work better, and there are situations on slow water where a weightless streamer is absolutely going to work better. So shallow water, slow water, now getting to the retrieve. Often, you are going to be able to have a more lifelike retrieve in a variety of angling situations with a weightless fly. So of course, we know about the great erratic motion that you can give a weighted fly. As that thing is just flowing in the stream, giving it little twitches with your line hand or big sweeps with your rod hand is going to allow that thing to bounce all over the place. And it looks like a banjo minnow, a dying bait fish. And, and do fish go after that? Of course they go after that. But sometimes, especially with spooky trout, that's going to be the last thing that they want to see. Even large fish are going to look at that and say, you know what, I'm not going to chase this thing. It might be dying, but it's moving all over the place. So although erratic retrieves do work well, so do normal retrieves. A fish that is just swimming through the water is just as much a target for a large carnivorous fish as a dying fish is. And it's much more difficult, especially on the slower, shallower streams, but even on streams with modest flows and modest steps, to achieve a very natural retrieve with a big weighted fly. It's just not going to do it. It's going to go straight down, and you're going to have to do some mends to keep it right where you want it to keep it, and that's going to cause them to move around a whole lot. So using a weightless fly is going to allow that to move much more naturally through the water column. Again, less flow, so a slower current and less um, depth you're going to struggle to keep that fish at a horizontal fish profile if there's a big heavy weight in the front of that fly. And so a more level retrieve is more easily achieved when the flows are lower or, or slower when you have a weightless fly because even if there's weight along the shank of the hook, then it's going to have a much more uniform uh, uh, retrieve rate or, or drift. And so this provides a much more lifelike silhouette. And I've had fish where I've watched them and, and watched their body language, you know, their, the way their tail moves and the what they do with their fins and their head, and fish that I think are just going to go crazy for my attempt at creating a crippled or dying bait fish moving in front of these fish. They, I do that and I jig it along nicely and they just, they back up and they just get real, you know, finicky and they, they get out of there. And then other fish, same thing where you have a very lifelike kind of steady, just allowing that current or a slow, gentle retrieve to move that fly across that fish's path. And that's what triggers them to, to get into it. Or it's not going to scare them away. Of course, lining a fish or doing something like that's going to scare it away, but I feel like that's a great place to start is that natural presentation um, where it's you're not putting it right in front of its face, but you're keeping it off to the side and you're allowing it to do what any other fish in that stream is going to do because they do see dying bait fish. They do see tumbling, you know, dead minnows and things like that and, and sculpins, but more often than not, they're seeing them do what they normally do. And they dart, but they don't dart nose down. They don't dart nose up. They dart pretty 
pretty level across the the, um, the the water column. So in my mind, it's a great way to maintain that sort of profile for those fish. So it's a more lifelike retrieve. Now the fourth one is much more utilitarian. So you have shallow water, it's a great way to fish. Slower water, it's a great way to fish. You have a more lifelike retrieve under a broader variety of circumstances. And then lastly, you have uh, easier to cast larger flies on lighter tackle. Easier to cast larger flies uh, on lighter tackle. So any streamer is going to still be wind resistant. And that is, in, in my opinion, a wind resistant fly is much more difficult to change your casting stroke up and accommodate than a heavy fly. So I'd like a small heavy fly a lot more than a big light fly. So one of these big articulated streamers, you say, well, there's no weight in it. Yeah, but that thing is going to not only have this big head on it probably, but it's going to have a lot of wind resistance that you have to pull through the air. And that is, you know, try to throw even a like a four inch uh, or smaller articulated fly on a delicate five weight. You're going to have a little bit of fight on your hands, especially if you're having a more moderate action you know, fly rod or you have any wind or anything like that. But you drop that down to maybe a, a size four or, or six fly with a cone head on it, it's going to be much easier to cast. Well, think about what happens now when you take that weight off. Now it's going to be simple to cast. It's, you're going to be able to put that exactly where you want to put it. So you can cast larger flies on lighter tackle if you take that cone head or that bead head off. Now, I fish a ton of cone head flies. I, touch a, I catch a lot of fish on those, but I have a lot of flies in my boxes that have no weight on them. And some of the reason for that is, is like I want to be able to cast a much larger bait fish profile if I do only have my three weight or I do only have my four weight. I don't want to have to stop and say, wow, I, I wish I could get down to that fish. I just can't uh, uh, throw a big heavy streamer with a three weight or four weight. Well, it's easy. You just don't have any weight on there and you just adjust where you cast. As I was talking about earlier, when I was talking about slower water. A lot of this game of, of casting weightless streamers is tied up in placing your cast in the right place, either far enough upstream or in that right current and allowing that current to take that fly and get it down where it's supposed to be. And that takes practice and that takes skill and that takes learning and paying attention, making sure that your leader is the right composition. You know, if, if you really do want to fish lighter flies and you, you find some of the benefits of that, then you're going to want a little bit of a thinner tapered leader. If you're usually fishing those three X's and those two X's for, for your streamers, you might want to drop down to a four X. You're still going to catch plenty of fish. You're still, if you're fighting the fish right and you have a decent rod and a good drag, you're not going to be snapping off every fish that you tangle with. But a, a smaller diameter tippet in maybe a longer tippet is going to allow you to get that fly down lower, even if it is weightless. And then making sure that your line is not pulling that fly up in the water column that you're mending as you're fishing a streamer, just like you'd be mending if you're fishing a nymph or a dry fly and not having your line or your leader fight against that fly getting down. So there's a lot of things that you can do. I mean, you can add poly leaders to the end of your, your um, fly line. This is a quick and versatile way to get a weightless fly down deeper, faster. Now, casting with the polyliters is a whole other thing, but you know, th there's ways that you can fish a streamer that doesn't have a big honk and weight on the front of it and still get it down deep. It, currents do amazing things. I, I, I know I'm kind of circling back to what I mentioned earlier, but currents, if you put your fly in the right place and you catch a seam, and, and you can make sure that that line and that leader is not 
pulling that fly towards the surface. You can have very fast water, but have a virtually weightless fly get down deep very quickly. And a lot of that comes with reading the water and understanding currents and seams. If there's any sort of um, rapid, you know, and when I'm saying rapid, it could just be water going over a rock, utilizing those things to get that fly down deep. Because under normal circumstances, even a very buoyant fly, if it's waterlogged, is going to sink relatively quickly. If you've ever dropped a couple of flies out of your fly box or out of your hand, you know they don't necessarily just sit there on the surface or kind of you know two or three inches suspended under the surface. They sink like rocks. Just the weight of the hook, the weight of the waterlogged materials, whether it be feathers or fur or chenille or anything like that, they're going to go down there. You just need to take advantage of what is around you to get those flies down. And so what that means is you can fish shallower water more efficiently. You can fish slower water more efficiently. You can achieve a more lifelike retrieve under a, a more wide variety of circumstances because, again, you can, with a weightless fly, as long as the conditions are right, you can still twitch it and jerk it and make its nose pop up and act like a dying erratic bait fish. It is going to pull it towards the surface a lot quicker than a weighted fly will, but you can still achieve that. And then they're easier to cast, um, and you can you can still cast those larger flies on lighter tackle. So it's just four things about weightless streamers. And again, there might be a little bit of weight on there, but it's a way to get away with just using lead or non-lead wraps on your hook or a small bead head instead of a really, really heavy weight on the front of your fly and still be able to fish some decent sized streamers on smaller streams on slower streams or to fish that might want a much more delicate presentation this week on castingacross.com the first article is called the video of the reddington landing pad video of the reddington landing pad this is a review video very short a minute and a half if you want to see me take off waders then you can watch this video and in a minute and a half i'll have done that using this new product, which I'm going to talk about at the end of this episode on my episode recommendations. And then Wednesday's article is called Catastrophic Creek Circumstances. Curse? Coincidence? Now, there's a stretch of stream. I'm going to go into a little more detail here than I did in the article. There's a stretch of stream that I fish probably more than any other stream prior to my mid-20s, because it's only about an hour from my house. And I fish this trout stream. It's a, kind of a moderately graded mountain stream stocked with rainbows, stocked with brown trout. I think they stock brook trout in there, but they also kind of classify these brook trout as wild. So I'm not sure. I don't know what the story was. The brook trout were always the smallest of, of the three. So I, I'd never caught like a 12 or 14 inch brookie in there, but caught all, all these fish. Beautiful stream, incredibly popular stream, very easy access to a lot of the suburban DC uh, area. But I just had great success there and had a lot of fun. Cut my fly fishing teeth. Um, you know, this week talking about fishing weightless streamers. As a kid, all I had was like the fly assortment flies. So I had a lot of weightless streamers. If there's one thing you can get out of a fly assortment that you get from a sporting goods store, it's a bunch of weightless streamers. And I learned how to fish them. And I learned how to, as I was just talking about, play the currents, play the casting location to get the presentation that you want, regardless of the, the weight or the size of your fly. Just an awesome little stream. And then something funny happened. Uh, it was a stretch of years, and I want to say uh, it was it was like the two years before I went to school, maybe the, the, la the, the first year I was in school, and I came home and fished there. Just had a bunch of ridiculous things happen in this one stretch of stream. Now, I had weird things happen to me kind of all over the place. Weird things tapping me down south, out west, um, up, up north when I'd go fishing. But this one stretch of stream, I felt like it was this recurrent revolving door of calamity 
and it wasn't anything terrible. It wasn't anything awful. I did have a couple of wild animals stalk me, which I, I allude to in the beginning of the article and flesh out a, a little tiny bit at the end. But, you know, these moments added up and I thought, what is going on? And I'm not superstitious. And, and I've talked about in recent podcasts, I, I, I believe that, that uh, there's a, a sovereign hand over things that uh, go beyond superstition. But uh, it was a, kind of a bizarre thing. And so this article, maybe hopefully you can think about if this, this has been something that's happened to you, if you've had uh, bad luck or just unfortunate uh, set of situations on one stretch of stream. This week's recommendation on the podcast is the Reddington Landing Pad, as I mentioned earlier. So again, there's a video for this on the website. If you go to castingacross.com, you can watch it or go to my YouTube page, you can watch it. But this is a an ingenious little product. So I've had a number of waiter bags over the years, and I find that they do either one or two things well. Uh, one, they keep your car dry. Two, this is, this is not together. They either keep your car dry, they keep your veer, gear ventilated, or three, they are some attempt at the two plus like some sort of changing mat from when you're fishing. The landing pad, it is an exceptional combination of all of those things. So it is a big nylon circle and there's enough room for you to walk around in the thing to put your, your shoes and your wading boots on it and have the wet wading boots on one side and the dry shoes on the other side and the water's not gonna run all over the place. You're gonna be able to move around in your socks and it's PVC coat on the bottom. So if you even put it on like a muddy uh, parking lot, you're able to get changed and your, your socks are going to stay okay. So once you're all done, then what you're able to do is hop off of the thing and there's a drawstring that runs around the entire perimeter. You cinch it up and now everything that's on the inside is held together. If you cinch it up tightly, there's still ventilation. It's like maybe you could put your fist in it on the size of like a, like a baseball. Um, cinched up tightly with just a pair of waders and boots and maybe a couple other wet pieces of gear, you're able to cinch it up very tightly and it's going to keep everything in your car dry. Now, of course, if you put it on a wet surface, the bottom of that PVC is going to be wet, but because it's PVC, it's only going to be picking up what it clings to it. It's not going to be absorbing anything and the stuff in your car is going to stay dry. Um, but then if, if after a while, or if your stuff's not particularly wet, then you're able to open that thing up a little bit and it's going to ventilate and it's going to allow everything inside of the landing pad to dry out. And then when you get home, you just hang the landing pad up as you would your waders and as you would your wading boots, and it's going to dry off. Awesome, awesome little product. Um, it is the best wader bag I've ever used, and it's not even really a wader bag. But it's just very well thought out, very practical. It looks huge when you open it up, but it gets down to the, the size of like a packable rain jacket. I mean, the thing's small. Uh, but it is very, very durable and rugged, and I've enjoyed using it for the, the short time that I've had it. Uh, it retails for under 35 bucks, which is actually a really good deal considering that there's waiter bags that cost way more that all they do is hold waiters. Um, it has handles, and it is, again, very durable, but definitely check that out. Head to the website, castingacross.com, watch the video. There's a link to the product at Reddington's website at the show notes of this podcast page at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.